0: Loading. Artist. Audio. Insight. Otcast. Verb. Interview with artists working today. Otcast. Noun. Insights into the work and process. Hello and welcome to Otcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Loading. Artist. Audio Insight. Well, let me just welcome you back to Outcast, Lori.
1: Thank you, so It's a pleasure. It's great to talk to you again. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity.
0: Oh, no problem. I know it's been a while since we spoke. Uh, that
1: was, was, that know, always... was that late last? When, when was that? Was that 2011?
0: Yeah, it was 2011. I forget the month, but it was about a year and a half ago. Okay. Okay.
1: yeah it's just crazy time flies it is crazy it's I, I don't know where the time goes I was just listening to your interview with TJ and I like the lively conversation he's young you know like you are and and I was listening to it and I thought oh my god it was such a long time ago that we we had our conversation and right. you know I think some of my responses will be different from from what I said then but they could be exactly the same. Way. Well,
0: I actually came up with, which as you know, I came up with some new questions,
1: Great, right, right,
0: just that like actually specifically geared to your work, which I've never done. So
1: yeah, which is exciting, and thank you for that because you've made me think about the work, um, and I think it's um, something that I needed to do. Um, I don't always pause yeah. to reflect. Um, right. Life doesn't always offer you those offer those opportunities, so I I'm actually very grateful. For you know, to you for, for asking, you know, to talk, to have a discussion, a conversation about this.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, no problem. It's, I was excited to do it. So,
2: Good.
1: I
0: guess, uh, <laughs> well, we're going to talk about a lot, I imagine, about <laughs> your photo work that you're, yeah, that you're working on now. Yeah. With, um, the resin, the urethane resin.
1: Right. Right. I, it was interesting when I posted those on Facebook and people were like, wow. You know, this is wow. This, this pops. What is this? And yeah. um, I, I was excited that I, I was excited by that, um, that. That that there's something about you know the photograph and the color um, that just kind of struck people like, wow, this is interesting. And and what is it exactly? Um, right. Yeah. I think that you know again it's kind of a revisiting of something i did early on with grad school um, but i was happy that people responded to it well
0: yeah it was a surprise cuz i you know you don't you never know how facebook works where you don't see everybody's work
1: right right
0: you know like the, the you know your newsfeed is sort of designed by some
1: i know, you know i know it's so frustrating
0: yeah so you you know and then and then you'll see a post by someone, and you're completely surprised. At, oh, I forgot about you, or, or I yeah, haven't seen your yeah. post in a while. Yep,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: So it was exciting to see on my end too.
1: Good, good. That's good to hear.
0: Yeah. So ready for my first question?
1: Yes, let's do it.
0: All right. Now, do the black and white photos represent the past, and do the does the color uh, is it the present?
1: Okay, I think that's a good question. Um, well, they're both good questions. The images that I posted on Facebook, um, I think there's one of just an individual piece, and then there's another image of uh, my home studio with, I don't know, maybe 15, 18 pieces on the floor. Um, Just briefly, a little bit of history. I was approached by Spaces um, in in Cleveland. Um, What was it? It's Spaces. uh, Spaces Spaces Gallery. Yeah, amazing, amazing institution. It's a nonprofit. Um, They have a program that's called Quarter Art. And they have – I'm trying to think. It must be – well, I know it's Michael and I right now. They have artists come in and, and create an addition. And um, the public can buy a subscription to quarter art. And if they want to do half year, you know, with, with two artists, then it's like $300. And they get this work of art by this artist. It's part of the subscription. However, they don't know what you're making. They know what your work is, but they're not sure. You know, it's a surprise for them to come in and see what you've made for them.
0: Right, and yeah, yeah. So
1: I was approached by Spaces, and and um, and, a, and of course I wanted to support because they've been great. They've been wonderful, you know, supporting me in, in my own work. Um, and in terms of an addition, you know, I thought, well, printmaking, and, and I didn't want to do that. And I guess it was the first thing that came back to me was, you know, is with the photography, because the work all started with these photographs of plastic bags and trees, as you well know. Um, And it was also nice to kind of go back 10 years, 11 years in time, and like, wow, this is where I started and what I was interested in. So when you ask if the black and white photos represent the past, they do... Physically, you know, because, yes, they are from – these aren't new new photos. These are all photos I shot a long time ago. And um, when I I printed them on a crappy printer back then, and they've all faded. Um, These newer images are on archival paper and archival ink. Um, So they do represent the past, um, and they physically are from the past. Um, But I'm trying to push them back forward and, and at the same time it's kind of like this it's like circling itself it's yeah. kind of like you know bringing these, these, these past well I graduated from grad school in, in 2004 so nine years I started in 2003 2004 with those images so you know just kind of bringing everything back around again it's, it's kind of interesting how that cycles um, the color in terms of being is it the present that's an interesting question as well um, the black and white photos, um, I think I mentioned to you, um, my mother was, I grew up with a mentally ill. My mom was mentally ill. And in 2008, she committed suicide in a, in a very violent manner. Um, and after um, my sister and I had to take care of everything, my father already passed. Um, you know, we got the photo albums from when we were kids, and a lot of them were in black and white. Oh, yeah. Very, very high contrast of You know, they had really faded out. Um, but I, I brought those home, and um, I, I think I grew up in a very, literally, a, a black and white world. My mom was there was no, there's not, there's no middle ground with my mother. Everything was either black or white, yes or no, up or down. Um, and it, it was difficult to be a kid, you know. Um, you were always kind of walking on eggshells because, you know, you only had a 50-50 chance of getting something, right? Um, right. So it, my world, you know, I look back on it when I was a kid. It, it does it does feel like it was very black and white and, um, and difficult. And color is, is what I've tried to, even when I was a kid, to bring to that black and white world. You know, I, I try to be the clown or try to make my mom laugh or try to be um, anything that would take take some of the tension away.
2: Um, yeah, yeah. I, I
1: try to bring the color into that situation. Um, so I think the photos represent definitely memory, time, place. They're about documentation. Um But the color, bringing the color to those images is is kind of my way of um, saying, yeah, I mean, everything's okay. And, you know, we may exist in this world that's dark and, you know, have dark days, um, but you can always find a little bit of color, you know, at at the end, I think. Um, Yeah, yeah. Whether it's a family life or an artist life or, you know, whatever you want to apply that to. Um, the color being the resin itself with the pigments. Um, I, I made some of those, I sent you some of those older images, um, with just a single pore, single color um pour of color. I think the stripes, the reason I stuck with the stripes this time, while so I'm working with the stripes again, um, goes back to two thousand and late two thousand eight. Um, my mom died in March 2008, so I was making these large, straight pieces, um, and they were very, I was thinking, you know, like um, beach balls, and these oh, colorful, yeah. yeah, you know, and they could fill with air, and, or balloons, and, and it was kind of like I was making these pieces and, and like telling myself, it's okay, everything's going to be okay. I'm happy, you know? I, I was telling everybody, yeah. I'm good, I, I can do this. The world's okay, um, and I loved making those those pieces.
0: Are that the ones that um, they're very dimensional, like they come off the wall and they're yeah, yes.
1: oh okay, yeah,
0: the, the vertical stripes you're talking about?
1: Yes, most of them are vertical. I think one piece was horizontal, but I, I actually, oh
0: okay, right, right. To
1: bring things back around again, I made those pieces for a show uh, that I did at Spaces.
2: Oh wow! <laughs> yeah,
1: so here <laughs> I did this addition for Spaces, and I go, I'm going back to the work that I did for them. But, yeah, and each each those straight pieces were each each color was a single pore. So those were the largest pieces I've ever made. Um,
2: okay.
1: And very experimental and how to manipulate them, how much time I had. Um, so bringing that back, oh, I should say, you know, making those pieces, I was okay. I had, we were, I think, the show up in January 2009 at Space's. Um, and it was that summer that I had a really interesting studio visit with another artist who said to me, quite simply, you know, life is hard and, you know, this has been difficult. And how about just getting honest and getting real? And that changed my work completely. And it, yeah. you know, I, to this day, I still think I feel exhausted from making all that work for, for the show at MOCA. Um, I love that show, and I love making that work. It was so honest, and I didn't have to tell people, oh, my gosh, I'm okay. You know, it's like this is what it is. And life can be difficult, but here we can, we can put it here, over here, and in the sunshine, and, and it will be fine. Or we can put it back together again, you know, the resin kind of is a glue. Um, so, yeah, so I went from these striped pieces to these kind of grungy, Pieces that were kind of an assemblage of you know found materials um, and resin, um, very skin-like in a way. So, you know, after the show at MoCA uh, in 2011, um, I revisited the stripe pieces again. This time, using some raw linen, and, oh, and
2: then yeah.
1: and then went directly back to the photo. Um, Working back on the photo almost as a, a surface support in itself. Um,
2: yeah, so,
1: right. So I think that covers everything. That, <laughs> that covers black and white photos. Do they? Do, yes, they do represent the past, but they're also very much about where I am now, and the color is about the present, but it's also about that history with with spaces.
0: Yeah, that's again like a full circle.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's and- it's wonderful, and those things they I mean, kind of work them. they they're, they're Themselves out, and again, thank you for asking these questions and having this conversation with me because I hadn't thought about any of this. And mm-hmm. reflecting, um, I realized that I was making some very important decisions, and I'm, I'm happy that I that I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You no,
0: know I'm sorry.
1: No, yeah, that's yeah, that's. I think that's my answer. Okay, <laughs> that was <laughs> a great
0: run through of like. Sort of the history behind where they've, you know, where sort of, where they started from and then how you got a little more like, I think you had said that this artist had said to get more real.
1: Yeah, be more honest. Um, I think he challenged me, you know, can you make something ugly? You know, you're trying to make all these, yeah, things. yeah, yeah, you're making these things that are supposed to be beautiful and you're saying, I'm happy, I'm good, it's fine. It's not fine. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really not fine. Can you make something ugly? And he said, I bet you can't. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, yeah, and um, it was an excellent challenge for me. I mean, it was. Yeah. It was. It was exactly what I needed to hear exactly at that time. It was perfect. And then I had the show um, "Debris from a Lost Campaign." Um, I was reading Joan Didion's book "The Year of Magical Thinking," and so some of the titles from that book actually influenced the work that I made for that show.
0: What was the author's name? I'm sorry.
1: Joan Didion. Uh, it's J O A N. And Didion is D-I-D-O-N. It's called The Year of Magical Thinking. It's about her husband John, who was a writer, and his death. And he's I'm sorry. It was it was um, the book's about how she lost she lost her husband. He died, Um, and a lot of her reflections um, on their relationship. Um, kind of looking back and looking forward at the same time. I, I admired the book very much because it wasn't a book about self pity or, you know, yeah, it's not about yeah. feeling sorry for myself because I've lost a member of my family or my husband or partner. Um, it was just, it was just honest, you know, the, the shallowness of, of sanity, debris from a lost campaign. She was, you know, she was talking about when the parent, paramedics had come into their apartment. And he had had a heart attack, and he was already dead. And after they left, yeah. and there's all this, you know, plastic um, packaging left from the different medical instruments, and just debris from this lost campaign. They lost him. Um, it was just poetic. I thought it was.
2: Yeah, eloquent. it sounds
1: it. It's eloquent. Yeah, it's a really good book. Um, I think. Wow. I think she's pretty amazing. Yeah, I. She's another person. I would. I mean, Richard Tuttle was definitely a person. I. I wanted to meet, and when that came true, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so excellent, but I would really like to meet Joan Didion. I think that would be, um, I think maybe lunch with her would be a pretty amazing thing.
0: Yeah, wow. Yeah. I imagine the conversation you would have.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, she's written a lot, a lot of books, and um, her name's come up several times recently. She's a good person to check out.
2: <laughs>
0: Excuse me. Now you've mentioned this this idea of the poetic and the artist statement you sent me was uh, a large part of it dealt with the grocery bag that was stuck to a branch on a tree.
2: Correct, yes.
0: And I it, it I think it was this morning it dawned on me how you know you you almost saw the color in that, you know, not literal color but the sort of poetic moment within that and all based on the bag itself. Exactly. And like the bag was the way you saw it was much more poetic, or or even pleasant in some way.
1: Exactly, exactly. And yeah,
0: and and how I feel like even even though that was that may have been in 2003, mm-hmm. that still it's apparent in your work now with with the color. Like you're almost translating the bag is sticking with you, right? And it you've gave it new life by adding color to it, and yeah. you know especially with the new photographs because. You're putting it on almost where, back where it came from.
1: Exactly. It, it, yes, you just, that's, um, that bag, those bags, I was commuting Just my father was, uh, had had a stroke and was dying and I was commuting to grad school and commuting out to see him and commuting home to get my son. And 2002, 2003 and, you know, saw again this kind of gray northeast Ohio landscape and these, these kind of colorful bags caught, um and they might be old and shredded and torn, but they still had color. Or else they might be brand new. Someone just bought some batteries, you know, and they just discarded their target bag. And yeah. It was yeah. still white and red and very saturated. And so it really punctuated, these things punctuated the landscape. And this was before the plastic bag, you know, before people were really, they became aware of how damaging the plastic bag is and
2: yeah, yeah. has been to
1: our environment. So and I wasn't trying to make an environmental statement. This was way before recycling or, or any of that. Stuff.
0: Yeah, like the reusable bags and that came in.
1: Right, and it's, for me, you know, it was it was like a skin. I mean, it was. It was like the skin because it could be translucent when the sun hit it. Um, it was fill with air when the cars and trucks went by. I used to pull off the side of the road and photograph them as, you know, either they were kind of abject and deflated and just hanging there and caught or else they were filled with air and blowing and they seemed... You know, they had all these different characteristics. Um, so it was it was more to me as a metaphor, I think it was more than just a plastic bag. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well
0: the, the eyes that you looked upon them with were just and it seems that for a while you, you almost stuck with the bag and but just left the tree out of it. Yes. And now, with these new photographs, it seems like you're putting the tree back into the
1: equation. Yes, and that's another good point. I struggled with that for a long time when I started making my work. Um, We we were just talking about presentation, right? Yeah, and Okay, so presentation for the work. And and I did some of the first pieces I made were just with branches and found sheets of plastic bag and bags um, and bubble wrap and whatever else I could find. But I, and then I used construction fencing, um, the orange plastic um, construction fencing that I would find, and I would stick plastic bags in that, and they became these big, huge, colorful plastic bag paintings, you know. They were, it was fun. Um, But I I realized at a certain point that what was holding on to the, the plastic bag wasn't important anymore. I mean, it was a crop plastic bag. It wasn't a floating plastic bag like an, an American Beauty, but it was definitely caught. But for me, the architecture itself, the studio wall, the gallery wall, a space, um, the architecture became the branch or whatever the object was stuck on. Um, right, yeah. And it gave me some freedom to let go. Um, and just focus that's great. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's just a nail stuck in the wall. Maybe that's, that's the branch. Um, but coming back to right. the landscape yeah. images, yeah, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm giving you back. <laughs> um, I'm being honest and saying, yep, this is where I started, and and you may not have seen this before, but um, but yeah, this is, yeah, I think I think i have mentioned before, last time we talked about how much I admire um, admired Agnes Martin. She passed away uh, in 2007, um, in her writings. Um, I love her grid paintings, and she was a very thoughtful person. And she had mentioned um, she was working on one of her grid paintings, and she looked out her studio window, and and she thought about the innocence of trees.
2: Oh wow! Yeah.
1: And it just gave me goosebumps when I read that. You know, it it's just like yeah, exactly. You know, innocence of trees. That's that's perfect, and I I get that. Um, I'm always accused, you know, everybody, oh, you're so sensitive, you're hypersensitive, you're too sensitive, you feel too much. Um, But that idea of the innocence... How dare they say that? (laughs) I'm sorry?
0: No, I just said, how dare they say that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I mean, I have to admit, I I am an extremely... Yeah, but as
0: an artist, we need to be. I know.
1: You have to be in touch. You have to be in touch. But um, sometimes I wish I could turn off... And, um, yeah. and not feel so much um, but yes the, the, the branches the bushes, the weeds whatever you know was holding on to the plastic bag is, is now back in the work um, and you don't see the bag anymore <clears throat> as much as I hid the branches or what was holding or you know what was tap- capturing the bag as much as I hid that before now I'm, I'm pouring the resin over the plastic bag in the image um, and concealing that right. And I see
0: the – oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I see the color th- for me just by the way – how the the bag affected you and the way you looked at it. I think you said something about it was like a – you saw it as a colorful balloon but yet couldn't fly away on its own. Right. To me, the the color that you're pouring on the on the photographs are still the bag for me.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm
0: not sure if I made that clear earlier. But.
1: No, 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 I think that's good. Um, and that you're, again, we'll see, you're sensitive. And, and you know, we've had a conversation before, and, and I still appreciate you thinking about what you think about my work, and, and you get it, and I appreciate that. Um, when I, I went to spaces to sign the work um, for the people who, who had bought the edition for Quarter art. And a lot of them didn't know, you know, what is this? And, and, and another gentleman who, John Williams, who's an amazing, amazing person, you know, saw it and he's like, oh, this is so you, Lori. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Yeah, and it's, but yeah, it's, it is it is the plastic bag. And, um, you know, and the, and the landscape in those images is the grid, you know, is Agnes Martin's grid. The you know, branches go up and they go across and the landscape's. Or non guys, vertical. So yeah, all those relationships. I'm I'm glad you you're seeing that as the bag. Thank you.
0: Oh no problem. I, I I'm glad I you know we we've spoken before and and you know I read your artist statement and so that's yeah th- that's what's leading me. That's what I'm picking up from from everything.
1: That's I'm I'm glad that you. It's it's amazing how artist statements. I mean that's a whole other subject we could talk about for hours, but. You know, yeah, yeah. I look back at my thesis paper. Oh my gosh, it was so long, and and then reducing it down to a statement, and you know, really um, trying to push away anything too sentimental or too emotional, and just you know, um, state as is, maybe. Um, yeah. And and then reducing that even further down to where my statement is now, to down to you know two paragraphs, and. Um, And and I feel that my my more recent statement or statements tend to be um, they lack the same kind of information or they lack um, maybe a a part of me that someone else would, if they read, if if I included myself more in the statement, maybe someone else else would appreciate more. Um, And maybe that's just. Maybe time just has a way of of doing that to an artist. Um, the information you give becomes um, more concrete and, and reduced. Um, I, I don't want to use the word mature because I don't think it's mature. It's um, yeah, it's it's not as big um, as it was in 2005.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that how, even though, you know, let's say, I guess it was either 2003 or 2005 when you started working with the photographs and pouring the resin on them, and then then you did those striped, like almost like, as you said, beach ball type things. Yeah. And then you moved towards, like, more of what might be called, like, an assemblage, but they're very, like, delicate and, mm-hmm. you know, that one of my favorite words, again, coming up as uh, poetic.
1: Poetic, thanks, yeah.
0: And then now going to the photograph returning there yeah I I think it's it's definitely helpful to almost look into the history of what you're doing and see how much has changed and yeah, yeah. It has stayed the same yeah but just really in like a completely different language
2: yeah
1: and and I think some of that may be um, forgiveness um, forgiving myself and um, forgiving you know, my mom. Uh, I miss my parents terribly, and um, yeah, I I, I do. I, I think it's it's been I've I've grown up a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's kind of my way of giving giving a nod um, to that. Um, so I'm so happy that you 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 realize and you, you see all of this. Thing. You know, people look at so much art. Every day, especially on Facebook, there's so much art, and how much time—how much time does somebody really spend, you know, thinking, or because it's just all visual information. Um, Right. So when someone stops and and becomes thoughtful about your work, I mean, to me, that's like that's that's why I do it, you know, that's why I do what I do. And it's,
0: it's so great to get feedback.
1: Oh, it is. It is. It really it gives you that little boost you know, that that can propel you until the next one, the next little boost. Um, Like a jet pack in outer space, you know. It's like, okay, I'm stuck in space. I need another little boost for my jet pack. (laughs) Sorry, excuse me. (laughs) But, yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Oh,
0: no problem. No problem. Um, You ready for another question?
1: Yes, definitely. All
0: right. What is the most experimental thing you've done to a work?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Well, I can tell you the stupidest thing I've ever done is throwing them <laughs> away. Um,
2: oh, yeah, yeah. Or
1: in, in the case of some of those larger stripe pieces, I broke them with a hammer into smaller pieces so that I could throw them away. Um, but at the same time, there's something very... Well, I used that. Now that I think back about that, I, I did an installation. <laughs> it was, was eight-hour projects at um, Allegheny College in Pennsylvania. It was an invitational, and we had eight hours to make artwork in the gallery. And so I took some of my reject stripe painting out pieces, resin, and a hammer, and broke them into pieces. And then I had my drill, and I drilled holes in them. And I, they started up high on the ceiling, and then they came all the way down to the floor, um, oh In wow. this kind of installation of broken color pieces, um, yeah, they were very sharp. <laughs> I cut my hand a lot. Um, oh god! <laughs> so, in a way, maybe. So here we go again. Things coming full circle. So yeah, throwing stuff out is don't do it. I mean, we all run out of space and our studios get crammed. Um, but if you, for me, it's when I just make something. And I have that urge, Nope, didn't work, check it, move to the next thing. I need to hold on to it just for a little bit to think it through. Um, yeah, yeah. The probably the, the weirdest thing, well, experimental, my work is all about experimenting with materials and presentation. How is it going to go on the wall? Is it going to be high or low, in the corner, on the floor? Um And this is not. This is. I'm not gonna. This isn't safe. (laughs) So I don't recommend it. Um, I had. I had a beautiful studio when I was in graduate school. Lots of windows. Lots of ventilation. Um, You know, I wore latex gloves and a a respirator. Um, But thinking about the material I was using, this liquid plastic. So okay, so I have these pigments. These liquid pigments. I can mix into them. But hey, why don't I try to mix? paint into them, into the resin. You know, why do I have to use these liquid pigments? What would happen if I mixed, say,
2: all green-blue
1: acrylic? And so I did. And it started bubbling up (laughs) Oh wow! in this this little plastic container, and it kept bubbling up. So I ran to the window, and I opened the window, and it kind of goes out into the roof, and I put it outside because I thought it was going (laughs) to (laughs) explode. It kind of did. It just kind of like, so I don't recommend doing that. Um, yeah, I I was curious what happens when you take latex rubber, um, which I was also experimenting with, and you mix again acrylic paint into it. You think rubber and and acrylic or plastic, you know, would would repel each other, but it the acrylic made the latex absolutely beautiful. It didn't last. It's such an ephemeral material. Um, oh yeah. Um, Or oil paint. Take oil paint and mix it with silicone rubber that you get at at Home Depot. And you get this beautiful, thick color paint that's, you know, it's just, it's again, it's weird and it's gloppy. And, you know, what are you going to do with it? Um, And I think when I was at Vermont Studio Center, I left. A lot of the—I shouldn't say a lot of the work, but some of the work that I made while I was there, I left um, out and around the studio building that I was in, and um, kind of just chance places where someone might find find it, and you know, either take it or like, oh, what's that? Um, yeah. So I, I guess that's—I guess that's my answer. What's the most experimental yeah. thing? What's the craziest thing you've ever done?
0: Oh, wow. Um, I wish I prepared for this.
1: No, no, just off the top of your head. (laughs) I mean, how did you get into the work you're making now? How did, it was, wasn't it crazy to pick up that material? Well, it was,
0: it was funny. Well, I started to make little constructions, like small sculptures in a way. Yeah. And they were almost just, instead of being like in the round, they were just sort of three-sided. Yeah. So you'd hang them on the wall, or put them on a shelf, or something like you know, like a nice fine white white painted. Shell, if it were in a gallery, I suppose, but I guess you could put it in your with your on your bookshelf at home. But yeah, um, they were meant to see in three sides, and and I don't even know how I picked up the phone. I to be honest with you, I don't know how it was a couple of years ago, and
1: you saw it. It was probably something that was discarded, maybe. Yeah, but, it was, and so you didn't feel like. Well, you you have to be careful when you find these things because they can either become so precious that you're afraid you're going to ruin them by doing anything yeah, to yeah. or they give you freedom because if something's found and discarded, it's going to get thrown away possibly anyway.
2: anyway. So yeah.
1: What you know, what harm can be in putting pain on it?
0: Yeah, I. Um, it might have been just sort of trips to Home Depot and and look trying to find. Yeah. You know, sort of this. This this or, or or a material that I knew of, and then having seen the foam, and thinking about how you know it's lighter, it's not it's not wood,
2: right?
0: And it has like you know it's a sort of like muted pinkish purple color, mm-hmm. which I actually wanted to like use, and I'm starting to like not paint the whole surface.
1: Yeah, I like um, that. I, I it, like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just recently, I started not to not consider it something I have to paint over the whole surface, and, right? and just at one point from doing the constructions it just led me to think about using it as a support for a painting and i like i i'm uh, i'm like such a wannabe like sculptor sort of builder type right and so that it also satisfies that because okay. i can you know cut it with an electric saw and not make it quite square and just cuz i think yes. that, that might have been it too is cuz i'm not i'm certainly not a builder
1: <laughs> but that's great i mean i that's that's exactly you know not getting a perfectly straight line not having this you know nice what what's a, a 11 by 14 or 16 by 20 you know yeah, right, just a right. canvas or board i think that's exciting that you're working with these odds and ends um, right yeah
0: they don't have to be perfect and i actually think i'm moving towards Taking baby steps, but I want to see, see how this is going to end up being more, having the, the supports being more shaped. Yeah. And even more, uh, uh, even more oddly than I am doing now, which is just slightly askew, but I, I might try and, you know, seriously tweak that some yeah. more. Yeah.
1: I think you've let go in those paintings, in these paintings that, that I've seen. Um, I mean, I love the work that you were doing before and how those, they weren't quite circles, but how they kind of overlapped each other. Um, but there was a tightness, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's still, yeah. like, oh, it's got to be, you know, it, it's got to be, it's still that minimalist, and, you know, it's got to be, feel like it's not handmade. It's, it's made by a machine and perfect. Yeah,
2: um, yeah.
1: Now your hand is evident in your work, and I, and I, and I respect that.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think, you, I think you're right. It's more so evident, because even with those... Those shapes that like I cut out small, I don't know if you call them templates or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I put a little handle on the back and I'd place, place the shape, pre-cut shape out. They were chipboard or something. I cut the, cut the shapes out of.
2: Right. And I would run
0: the paintbrush around the edge of it, you know, and that's how I'd get my shape. So I guess it was a little bit more machine made than it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, handmade. Yeah. But and I'm definitely
0: enjoying making it more handmade. That's for sure. Oh, there's
1: something, there's a very, that's a very strong impulse for me. Um, so I, the handmade, yeah, is really important. Yeah. I understand that. Well, there you go. See, you're... And there's a freedom there, I think, too. Um, right. And you're giving yourself permission. And so experimenting and just kind of letting go. Um, and now seems the time to do it because anything and everything out there is being made. Um, right. So I, I think I... I there's something really honest about that that I admire. Well, thank you. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> so I have another question I'd like to ask.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: do you do you have an artist quote you'd like to share?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, there's probably a, You know, I probably have... I have so many little sketchbooks You know, what do you do with all these sketchbooks? And I'm constantly writing things down from what I read or hear. Um, The best one for me, where I am right now, is, um, and I may have said this before, I apologize if I did, is uh, Louise Boudoir. And she said, Art is a guarantee of sanity. Art is a guarantee of sanity? Yes, art is a guarantee of sanity. And she didn't say, what you know, making the art or viewing the art. She just said, art is a guarantee of sanity, and that's the most important thing I've ever said. And I just, that resonates with me. I can't imagine not making my work. Like, I, I can't, and I would go nuts. Um, I would definitely not be sane. I mean, I'm not always sane anybody, but um, can you imagine not making your work?
0: No, I, I, I think that's a great quote because, I mean, I don't know. There's something.
1: It's very healthy.
0: It is healthy. It's,
1: it's like a nur- <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's like a nourishment, you know. It feeds us. And it it keeps us going for the, the long haul.
2: Right. Yeah,
0: it's – it's. I had the, the hardest time with that in, in art school, actually, of, of all times where I should have been making work and not worrying, but uh, I just, I would just, I had this feeling that I was being selfish and sort of like missing so much from the outside world. If I'd be in my studio and Mm -hmm. creating and being alone and it's like, I don't really feel that way anymore, which is great.
1: Yeah. That, I I think that, that I I respect the fact that you had that feeling and you're acknowledging that feeling. Um, And, you know, I, <clears throat> you know, I'll talk about where I live, and it's a little small town, south west of Cleveland, um, and I've lived here for my son. Um, He's graduating next week from high school. Woohoo! Oh,
2: wow. Yeah,
1: which is really exciting. Um But I remember before I had a studio outside the home, or even the studio, my grad studio, um, I was trying to work in this little room that I work in now, downstairs, and I didn't have it had, like, these really cheap thin curtains, and weekends you know my son would go with his his father and i made my work and what was strange is that people would knock on my door and it's like you know you don't want to you don't want to be offensive and say hey it's my studio time leave me alone so i i just learned i disconnected my doorbell (laughs) So so then it was knocking in the front door right So eventually it came to the phone, the knocking, whatever. I just didn't answer. So they came to my studio window and started knocking on my studio window. Oh, wow. And so I almost was like, you know, I know on the weekends that you, what do people do on the weekends that we don't get to do? They have swimming parties and they have cookouts and um, they, I don't know, whatever they do, they throw horseshoes. Um, I choose to be in studio Um, and I felt a little guilty I felt a little guilty because you know there's a lot of parents and and you know kids and things going on in the neighborhood here I am kind of huddling in my little studio at home not answering my front door so I understand that kind of guilt but then letting it go and acknowledging to yourself and then to other people this is who I am and this is what I do it doesn't it's nothing personal it just I, I, I need to do this i can't imagine not making i just can't imagine not making words um, again i'm just so grateful that you asked me to to you know do this again have this discussion again because i loved talking with you last time but this time feels this this for me is more important because you ask you're asking things that i haven't thought about and when you're yeah. making work and you're not – you're making it, but you're not always present, um, which, you know, I've had so many distractions this this year that, I, again, I'm just so grateful because you've given me the opportunity to kind of stop and pause, rewind, you know, wait a minute. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. and I'm really grateful because I didn't think about how all this stuff comes around and goes around and um, – Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. I think
0: it was, oh no problem. I think it's actually great too because in some way, like I had all the. I think I had like nine questions for you, and I only asked like two of them officially. So right, all right. the other, the conversation answered all the other questions. I think
1: exactly, and you know, and I didn't mean to do that. By the way, <laughs> no, no, That okay. was great. I just it's just this. I, back, it's, I like this back and forth with you, and um, yeah. and I like being honest. You know. That was one of the, just briefly, one of the most, you know, when you talk about artists that you admire, one of the most brave, courageous people that I know right now is Jennifer Reeves. Do you know Jennifer? Um, What's her name? Um, Jennifer Reeves. Um, um, it's Jennifer Wind, um Reeves. She's on Facebook. Um I'm sure you know who she is. She wrote the book. She wrote a book. It's called Soul Bolt. S O U L B O L T. She just had a show at Bravely uh, a few months ago, and I have liked her work. I've admired her work for over ten years. You know, when I first oh, wow. discovered it, but she's she writes she's so brutally honest with her writing and what she talks about with her work. I mean, she's so brave. Um, And, you know, I I think for me, when I talk about, um, she talks about her family stuff and then her, you know, mom and dad. And, and, um, and for me, like I can talk about those things and sometimes it puts people off and I don't mean to put people off. It's just that this is what happened. And, it's okay. Um, yeah. You know, we're all in a better place now, and life goes on. But, you know, some people just kind of cringe, and then I think, oh, I shouldn't talk about it at all because it makes people uncomfortable. But she just, she tells it like it is. And yeah. And it's, it's beautiful, and her work is just amazing. It's like this abstraction and representational, these, these things brought together that you wouldn't expect to be brought together. Um, you definitely need to check her out.
0: Okay, thank you.
2: I will.
1: Yeah, she's amazing. I got, be, um... I got to meet her. Actually, I went to her show. Susan and I met in New York, and we went to her opening. And, oh, cool! And she was—I thought she would be really tall, but she was slightly shorter than me. And she's like, she's so like brave and crazy. Yeah, yeah. She's had health issues, and it just really. I admire her very much.
0: Yeah, she's an inspiration.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And her work is too. Her work is. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Her, her work is brilliant. I mean, it's. I wish I could afford to buy one. I bought the book um, in paperback. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, you should definitely check her out.
0: She's I have um, one one more question, which actually seems to be my favorite. To okay. see, you know, what the answer will be, but okay, <coughs> excuse me. Can you use three to five words? Uh, three to five words to describe your work.
1: Uh, that's always a tough one.
2: <laughs>
1: you know, someone told me once that when they were in grad school, <clears throat> one of their assignments in a particular class, and I don't know which one it was, was to make an artist statement using only one sentence.
2: Oh wow! Yeah.
1: yeah, and so by asking, you know, only three to five words, I think you're kind of it's distilling and, and taking things out that aren't necessary, and I like that. So I, I think my first first word right now is driven. Um, okay. Oh yeah, definitely driven. Um, necessary. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, um. You know, it, it's that, like I, I mentioned before, it, it, it feeds, it feeds me. It nourishes me. It's more than three or five words, sorry. No, I think that was only four. Okay, okay. Um, but, um, wow. It's, it's, um, it's my touchstone. I, my touchstone, I, something that I could always, it's, yeah. it's always there. It's a constant, and no matter what happens, um, making the work is one thing. You know, I, I wanted to, you know, kind of create my own way of working. Making the work is, is necessary, and I'm, I do feel driven to make that work, but then spending time with the work,
2: right.
1: you know.
0: That could be, I think, one of the hardest things to do. It's like when, it, I mean, when you're doing it, it's, it's almost easier than just being with it.
1: Yes. Yeah, I, I like to spend time with, with my work. Um, people have asked, you know, they're abstracted. do they, do you see them as emotions or, and um, a little wicked. It was a piece I made for the show at, at Mocha Cleveland. I I needed to spend time with that piece because it it just um, it was like a little part of me and yeah. it was hard to send it out into the world um, or share it um, because again it goes back to that idea of honesty
2: um, yeah yeah
1: yeah and and braver and just being brave and courageous and like what you're doing on film and making it and then to make it even more courageous to share it right? You know, and, and, and share it with others. That's, that's the hardest thing of all um, because you're putting yourself right out there. Yeah. Um, and you don't – I always said if, if one in 100 people understand, not understand like meaning-wise, but understand or get something in my work or they can look at it and say, I've been there. I understand that, or I've seen that, or I feel that. Um, then, then I've done. I guess my job as an artist. Um, I don't think I've ever made work. Thinking about selling it, I've just always made work. Um, boy, that was a long little rant. I just went on. Sorry. No, no, no
0: I was. Um... Just to, just to get in some dialogue, it, it seems like, would be appropriate way to end that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. All right, I will talk to you soon, and have a great weekend. Thank you, you too. Thanks, so. Phil. No problem. Bye.
0: Bye. This has been Oddcast. Thank you from me, your host, Philip J. Mellon. Keep the dialogue going.